It's after midnight and quiet and dark in San Francisco. It's time for the final episode of The Hyenas, A Tale of India. Part three, Dara, chapter 16. The shadows are growing over the city. The long fingers of the towers point languidly toward the sky where three bright sands of stars and the flat dry pebble of the moon lie at great distances from one another. A haze of light, uncertain and pale, radiates above the city. The hum of the day quietens and the sound of animals awakening begins. They have come from a great distance, drawn to this place, the home of the sleek apes. Their shadows flicker and shift among the greater shadows of the forest. They move together ahead then back and yet in confusion without a leader and yet as though the leader changes from moment to moment each animal elected chief for the period of a whim for the moment it takes to strike a pose to abandon a gesture they scatter gather and scatter again at times there seem to be only two or three at other times dozens hundreds their laughter fills the forest a moment, then disintegrates in silence. Soon again it is taken up, one here, one there, echoing and answering each other, and then by groups, and then all of them together take it up again, filling the twilight air with laughter. In the western part of the city, the Rumi Darwaya, the great Turkish gate, silently crowds with shadow, the faint jubilations of conquest, ghosts on the long pilgrimage to their beginnings. The upper lintel is plated with the last rays of the sun. There are sounds of hammering among the cool hurrahs and a sizzling as of acid biting into metal. One of the animals sits up in half crouch, panting, its eyes crimson, thin bubbles of foam in its nostrils and at the corners of its mouth. It is irritable and weak. It scratches at the dust, pulls itself up, trots several feet, and then crouches it down again. Its eyes shift from side to side, then roll. Another of them runs rapidly from side to side as the frightened, sniffing at the air. Its voice is a squeal, and its claws that do not retract drag in the gravel. Another paces coolly along the side of the forest path that leads in toward the city. Its small ears are cocked, its flat pug nose is flared, its shoulders work casually, evenly, patiently. It will look like an accident. If I am careful and cunning, no one will think he has been killed. I'll shoot him in the face. They will think he fell on his rifle. The hyenas will take care of their traces. There will be little left of him by morning. The monstrous Kaiserbach is slowly consumed by the dusk like an, an enormous cake. The smaller palace of Chateau Manzil curls as though dreaming 
wistful and modest into its own shadows. The monuments to Victoria turn a deeper green, a darker, finely black. The night districts are lighting up and crowds begin to move along the fashionable streets. Along certain other streets, the pavements are smooth and lumpy with sleeping families. At the foot of a tree, one of them lies motionless. Its mate sniffs at it and growls, moves back a step and sniffs again. Then, yelping, it scampers off. The sleeping animal does not stir, and a restless circle expands around it. One pokes desultorily at a hole, another a cub leaps at a low tree branch, another chases its tail, another snarls at its neighbor, while two mate in the middle of the forest path. He slows his stride as he enters the woods, then pauses and looks behind him at the ruined filigree of the city. He seems to wait, then turns and enters the deeper darkness before him. The wrecked, accusing resident sags into the unraveling dusk. It comes to s seems to sway in the oceanic darkness, jagged upward like a ship, its huge, monotonous wreckage shattered against the smoke of twilight, and swiftly meets the waters that rise to meet it. She was sitting at the window in the bedroom, wearing the white slacks and the sky-blue blouse he so likes in anticipation of her husband's return when she saw the car stop down the street and her husband leave it hurriedly, carrying something long and heavy under one arm. He walked quickly past the house and down the street toward the outskirts of the city. Abruptly, she drew a silk shawl over her head and left, following after, soon lost in the darkness, tripping in the lightless, lightless streets and now in the rough paths of the countryside beyond. La Martiniere Extraordinary, elaborate folly slowly disappears its Italianate columns of semicircular archways, its deft cornices, its inviting porticoes, huddling up to the flank of the grey fish of twilight. The university vanishes, along with the silent music academy and the Institute of Muslim Theology. The gardens by the river become their own shade. The unused railroad tracks disappear among the shadowy grasses and weeds. Suddenly one of the animals halts, its forepaw raised. Another sniffs, leaps up, and skitters into the brush. The one with the crimson eyes and the foam around its nostrils and mouth pulls itself up to an unsteady, steady stand, then starts trotting, weaving crazily down the path. Rest, stop, watching. A shot rings out. Something ricochets with a sharp zing off a stone near the unsteady beast. The animals freeze, staring blankly in the direction of the shot. Most of them scatter, but the crazy one, rather than running away, veers toward where the shot came from and lopes crazily toward it. One of the few remaining animals squats on a stone and titters mirthlessly, incessantly. The greater palace of Chata Manzil is overcome by the darkness. The banks of the Gotima have become long spools of shadow and rolling toward the Bay of Bengal. The slick black of the surface of the water reflects the few stars that have emerged from the clean slate of the sky. The observatory is engulfed by its neighbor's greater shadow. 
for some time the bright brass lettering of the bank is alone visible then it too vanishes and bank and palace observatory and palace merge into one from the remains of the vast fahad bakhsh the last cats of light remove and the ancient fatigued listless ruins are immersed in shadow and lucknow is again submerged in night the many the one ways of that day bright day why that shows only the differences of things and night alone only night their true unity don't ask questions act desire staggering she runs and trips and tries to but cannot scream mantal ashok mantal 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 and he steps from the forest into the meadow. You. Yet the hunter stops but does not turn. Stop, damn you. I've already stopped. Lashok steps ahead several feet and stops, also uncertain. Turn and look at me. Montal does not move. Turn around. Still Montal does not move. Turn. And Montal turns. Lashok can see his face swathed in clean rags. In the light of the risen moon. Beggar, leper, scum. The beggar drops his rifle, then raises his hands and begins to draw the rags from his face. You! The rags begin to fall from his face. It is a face eaten away by time. Scum! It is a decayed mask, a masquerade crumbling in small clingy lumps. Scum! Slime! It is the god returning. Beggar, leper! It is his brother stepping toward him. You're dead! Ashok shouts hysterically. I willed you to die. I wanted you to die. I saw you die. The hoarse voice of the beggar seems to speak as he approaches, the lean, dark arms opening as though to embrace him. What are you talking about? I don't have a brother. I never had a brother. Ashok raises the rifle suddenly to his shoulder. You do now, he whispers, his cheek against the gunstock. He does not see the animal rushing over the grasses toward him, the red eyes that glisten in the light of the moon, the weeds as they rustle, rustle the hot, snarling mouth that thrusts, panting, open. There's a sound, a single crack, and afterwards the sound of the hungry, frightened animals appearing as out of nowhere is like silence. They circle in confusion, spiral in and out, sniffing at the two bodies that lie in the small clearing. The rabid hyena is still tearing at one of them. The other lies on its back, is skeined of white trailing behind it, red spilling from the face into the soil. A woman runs into the meadow and stops. They show no interest in her. They trot and pace around the clearing, gazing at her curiously, unafraid, chattering. For a time, all that can be heard from her is the sound of dry heaves. And there's a long scream and falling to her knees. Her face raised to the darkness. Dar begins to wail into the night. Around her, the shadows shift, sated and indifferent beneath the trees.